Welcome to Brewing It Over with Cup North, the show that gives you the chance to deep dive into the topics shared in the content program at our events. From social to consumer to sustainability issues, there's something for everyone. I'm Hannah Davis. And I'm Grace Talbot. And today we're joined by David Rickenback from The Feed, who spoke on a panel titled The Social Benefits of Coffee at last year's Manchester Coffee Festival. David is a mixed-race barista trainer and cafe manager for The Feed, a charity and social enterprise empowering communities in Norwich, ensuring each and every person has the support to eat well, live well and feel connected. David manages their rest cafe in partnership with Norfolk and Waveney Mind. Mentors, staff and volunteers working across their five cafes and social supermarket. David, with the local coffee community, also runs monthly public coffee events around Norwich, exploring different coffee cultures, brew methods and celebrating coffee. David has personal experience of anxiety and mental health issues that guided him into a career in specialty coffee. And before we welcome David to the podcast, don't forget if you want to listen to the incredible panel that he spoke on at Manchester Coffee Festival last year, hang on right until the end of the podcast and we'll play that recording back for you. And just talking of Manchester Coffee Festival, we couldn't deliver any of our projects without the incredible support of our partners. Here's an advert from our extracted development partner, Conti. Conti espresso machines, which are made in France for those who don't know, are handcrafted with a genuine passion for innovation and coffee excellence. For over 65 years, Conti has been combining exceptional quality and reliability to create the finest espresso machines. Their mission is not simply to design a coffee machine, but to give their products an identity which makes them stand out from other espresso machines. Discover more about their products at conti-espresso.co.uk. Welcome, David. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, wonderful. Feeling nice and relaxed and ready to chit chat? I'm, I'm ready. All good to talk. Happy and excited. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. We're going to ease you in just with some very gentle kind of get to know you questions. Don't worry, we won't be testing you at the end. Are you ready? Already. Already. Okay. Number one, what is your coffee order? That depends. Um, if I know the place or I've they've got a good reputation, I'll normally just get an espresso and I don't mind if it's house espresso because it kind of gives me uh, an understanding of what's on the bar. But yeah. Sometimes if I know what I'm getting into uh, and I'm not looking forward to it, I might get a latte to kind of hide the co- <laughs> hide the flavour in the milk. Yeah, yeah. one of those, uh, if you're on the road at a motorway service station, I'm I'm not against adding a syrup to a, a needed coffee to get me through. Exactly. Brilliant. Okay, okay. So if we're in the Dream Cafe where we're having an espresso, we're enjoying it. The wonderful, talented Hannah is working on creating that espresso for you. <laughs> Second question, what music mm-hmm. is playing in this dream cafe while we wait for this espresso? I love cafes that play jazz or just like something a bit more gentle. I like the idea that people, particularly when they're in the cafe, feel like the cafe blends kind of into the background of their life, whether they're talking mm-hmm. to other people and things operate around them. Jazz is something which is very inoffensive and really help settle people down and really keep them quite calm. Nice. So you're after that kind of subtle ambiance so that the conversation or the coffee can be the main event for you. Yes. I've been to cafes, yes. uh, particularly abroad, where they've had probably the most intense music on, regardless of genre, and it's as loud as possible and I can barely hear my own thoughts. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. there's a real balance from a sensory point of view, isn't there? Like, I love it when there's a song that I know when I can kind of jam to, but if it's too loud, I can't, I can't mm. enjoy that experience. So, yeah, I hear you. Mm. Uh, we've had a lot of different answers to the music question. It's really interesting to see. It each offers like a different actual experience of the coffee shop. I really like it. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Final question. Mm-hmm. We've made it through. This is a big one. What is your most memorable coffee shop experience? Uh, the most memorable coffee shop experience is definitely the one that led me into coffee, actually. So I've had Excellent. kind of a lot of experiences in coffee, but I realized I was in um, South Korea where I was proposing to my wife and she was working that day. So I had the day off. I visited this cafe in um, Yongnam, which is called uh, Nap Coffee Roasters. And it basically is like a small cafe on a hill in quite a residential area. It has the entire base of it bricked over. So it's a small hill and you just grab a pillow and you sit down and all the windows were open. It was a big windy day. I remember sitting there. I just, I wasn't having that nicer time in my marketing job. And I just realized in that moment that I just needed to quit and go into something else. And I was just enjoying that experience so much that I was like, actually, I, I, I like coffee. Why don't I just do it and just go the whole way? What an amazing story. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I was with you then. So I can oh, feel that. the wind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A very creamy recollection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It is, it is. It's one of those yeah. where it sounds... Um, it, it's so like fanciful, but actually I look back at it and that was kind of the moment I realised... Cafes can have a big effect on people. Um, yeah. I, I wrote part of my paper on this, but when I was in Manchester, actually, and when people go to Manchester Coffee Fe- uh, Festival, if they get the chance to visit Northern Quarter and just go through all the different types of cafes, there's so many, there's so much variety mm-hmm. and so much personality in each of them. And the more you kind of absorb that and take that in, the more you realize there's a lot more to a cafe than just the coffee, the food, mm-hmm. and even the yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that leads like really perfectly into the topic you covered at Manchester Coffee Festival. We're talking about, you know, the social benefits of coffee and coffee spaces. And there were lots of different takes on that notion. I particularly liked when you spoke about kind of reimagining the use of a coffee shop space or a roastery space for other purposes within the community. Is this something you have experience on that you could share with our lovely listeners? Sure. So I can kind of talk about it one from um my workplace but also one in particular when I was studying a lot of cafes during my master's um I was living in Manchester and Northern Quarter kind of inspired me to look at how sort of 26 cafes at that time in 2017 were competing with each other in one space and one of them that really inspired me am I allowed to mention the name please do please do yeah Yeah. so um (laughs) TAC really inspired me actually I had a sit down with the owner at the time and had a sort of an hour-long interview and we discussed where do you start when you're designing a cafe and what how do you differentiate yourself and one of the first things they said was they looked at what's around them, what their community was, and there was sort of the design school there. Where there was a lot of people using uh, some of the old renovated spaces as offices. And so he thought to himself, um, how can my cafe serve that community? And so what they did, if you look at the design of it, there's plugs under every single table. Each of the tables are designed in a way where it's either one or two person seaters with a few group tables. And so even the design and the intuition that cafe is a place where people can stay, but also attracts 
the clientele around them in, but also contributes to the community as well. So in a sense, people can leave their um, their workplace if they just need a break to have a meeting and they have a perfectly designed space for them. But also it looks at the kind of the students around them who've just come in and you know they don't have too much um, what you call disposable income at that time. But just having a table which is designed for them and to really give them a space to um, get away from kind of the classroom but also work on th- their projects really shows that all elements are considered in design, not only from your cafe, but also the community around and how you can mm. mutually benefit both sides of it. And then from our kind of perspective, our cafes are designed in a way where we, uh, the Feeds Cafes are designed in a way where we look at the local community and see what's needed. Um, there is a concept called uh, ABCD, which is um, uh, asset-based community development. And what you want to do is you look at the communities around you and you see where their strengths are and also see where the gaps are. And you try and fill those gaps either through yourself or through another organization and connect those two. Um, our biggest, the feed's biggest uh, cafe is Waterloo Park. It is uh, a large cafe for the NR3 area, which is just outside the main city. Um, and it's the pavilion and the, and the giant park as well. Um, that pavilion was unfortunately closed uh, for a long period, especially during the pandemic, because the previous tenants were unable to continue operating. And what you, we realize when you look around that um, community is there is a lot of people there who are very passionate about the area, but there's not that much in terms of opportunities to cater for them. So only a few pubs, only a few shops, um, the odd takeaway. And having that park is a very central place where people go. So having a cafe there can have a dual function. So on the one hand, it can help us commercially and fund a lot of our projects, but also it provides a space for people to go on the weekend or to go walk their dog, have a coffee, take their ch- children. We have a quiet room there, so we can try and incorporate more uh, more diverse range of people. And upstairs is a community room, and that can be hired for the general public or groups or hobbies that people are using. Um, so there is a craft fair um, every month. There's also tango regularly. Um, it's used for uh, groups which are meeting just to have a space where they can kind of discuss openly um, ideas or work together. It's been used as a small art fair. It's just using the space and seeing what the community can benefit from. And that takes a lot of sort of ground interaction with the people around and asking, actually, what do you what does the community need? And asking them, hi. What, what are you missing within your local area? And I think cafes nowadays in particular and roasteries and just all types of businesses, things are getting a lot more difficult, not only in terms of cost, but also in terms of standing out. In specialty coffee in particular, things are, uh, there's a lot of cafes and there's a lot of roasteries in many areas. And each of them are a representation often of oneself or the, something you want to show up. And now you find customers, because there's so much choice, are looking for something which uh, connects with them on a personal level, supports either their local community or something that they're involved in. And not only do you just identify with it, but you want to see what people are doing outside of just the commercial value. And so there is uh, an intrinsic connection between not only kind of what you might support locally, but even what you might buy online. You look at the companies beyond just... um, I'm just buying 
a bag of coffee, you're going, where's my coffee going? What coffee am I getting? How are they supporting farmers? Is there direct trade? Is this something to do with price sensitivity? Um, there's a real diverse range of kind of um, thoughts in there. And so from one level, you're designing, you have to think from the very start about what do I want? And you also have to think about what do the people around me want? If you put your cafe, say, or your roastery in a place which uh, might not might not be ready is not the right term, but if you put it somewhere where you're not wanted, you have to ask yourself why, and you also have to speak to the local community and ask actually what is it they need, and that might involve mm. knocking on doors and talking to people or visiting, and asking like, oh, why don't you want my cafe here, or why don't you want my roastery here? And they might say because the one we've gone to for the last forty years is going to shut down because of you. There is definitely an interaction that needs to be had and a discussion that needs to be had before you kind of think. I'm going to find the cheapest place. I'm going to open what I want to open because what you might want to open might not be successful because you haven't considered all the factors around you as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, we've covered a lot yeah. and it's, it's, yeah, it's like really heartwarming to hear um, sort of the diverse ways that spaces can be used and the way that that can connect to the community. Uh, I really weirdly love the idea of you kind of knocking on people's doors in the same way you do when it's a kind of a political campaign only i imagine people are infinitely more receptive than if you're like hello vote for me you're you're saying mm -hmm. hello what can we bring to you is that something yeah. you've done personally with the feed or um in a different setting so i used to be um uh, the community fridge coordinator during the pandemic it was a difficult time so uh, running kind of a community fridge when everything was shut down during the lockdowns. Uh, a lot of restaurants were giving away their stock, their supplies. A lot of local supermarkets were giving a lot of their excess away. And we ran from our cafe, which was both a catering kitchen and also a cafe, a uh, community fridge. And we had people lining up down the streets, uh, sun, rain, blizzard, uh, to just get some food. No questions asked, really, about I don't need proof of any evidence, um, whether you're on benefits. I'm just going to intrinsically trust you, but I'm going to ask also, what is it you need and how can I kind of guide you? Can I give you a recipe? Like, how can I best um, support you with what we have? And in those kind of interactions, we learn, or the feed learn a lot about um, what the needs of the communities are and where people might not be supported or for example if you're speaking to someone a lot of people are in employment we have a social supermarket with over 2,000 people signed up at the moment and a lot a, a portion of them are in work but even still if you have a large family to support or if you have high costs it's still a difficult position to be in and you may need that additional support on top and when I was running the community fridge we had a, a uh, a program development officer we also have myself kind of interacting with um, uh, each person to find out what are the reasons for wh why are you here essentially and how can we best help you and serve you so in a sense i'm meeting people one-on-one -on -one. i haven't knocked on the doors um but it's a consideration to have people were coming to us and it was just a good chance for me to basically be like hey what's going on and then the feed also ran a lot of focus groups when we were looking at the social supermarket speaking to the people who were coming uh to the to the community fridge uh, for additional help and sat them down and really had a chat and we let them lead the conversation about what kind of services and support is missing within their local area there's an opportunity yeah. there even if you sit down with customers from another cafe yeah and that's something that comes up a lot in the panel discussion yeah. that um cafes 
are there in a way to kind of service the community. They're something that's, that should represent that community. And when we've asked people, you know, uh, on the podcast before, what's your memorable cafe experience? So often their experience is related to the environment of the cafe and not specifically the coffee. It's not like, oh, I had the best coffee of my life in this yeah. one cafe. It's actually about the full package. And it's really great to hear that you talking about the development of the feed and that being a, a cafe space that is there for the community and also just mm. to hear you mention that you think you know that potentially if a cafe goes to set up in a, in a neighborhood without considering the needs of that community then they're more likely to fail and yeah and just to like I think it's just it would be great for cafe owners to hear this this is like really valuable information for them yeah um, and I, I would mm. love to read your paper on Manchester cafes for sure yeah I'll find that for you. I, I can find yeah. that for you and send it over. One of the things yeah. that I actually talk about in that is when you speak to people, there's uh, a dual relationship. There's, uh, on the one hand, cafes are a representation of the person who's establishing them. Roasteries are as well. You go to things you like. Um, if you don't believe in the project, it's very hard to push the project. Mm. Um, and so on the one hand, you are compromising in a way what it is that you value and what it is that you want because it's what gets you up in the morning you're looking at what that, uh, that is but also what your customers want and that often goes beyond just do they want a brazilian coffee do they want a colombian coffee um people choose in marketing speak people choose the brands they identify with um and that's really an important thing so the cafes i go to are because I support the person or the person running it or the project they're going on. And every time I buy a coffee, it's one more coffee and a little bit more money towards their dream. But also, um, like you said, you have to feel comfortable in that space. And each person has a different subjective view on the cafes they like. And it doesn't necessarily need to be the cafe. Uh, people often will wear branding or merch from uh, things they love and that is also an identifier of things I like and it's part of my personality and cafes are part of that as well outside of work in the home it's one of the main places people meet the community gets together with and you identify it as part of yourself if you sort of say oh should we go here and it's just yeah. an immediate reaction for people yeah it's so interesting to hear you speak about it because it's it's making me think of so I moved um to a place called Froome Everybody, big up mm -hmm. room. If you're in Somerset, come here. We're lovely. Um, and I moved during what transpired to be national lockdown. So I yeah. didn't get that initial opportunity to kind of go out and explore the space and find these local coffee shops. And it still feels like a novelty for me even now to be able to text mm -hmm. people and be like, do you want to meet up for coffee? And I really love it when they take the reins and say, yes, let's meet yeah. here because it kind of introduces me to new places. And, and nine times out of 10, particularly in a smaller community like Froome, they, there's an and this is why so like my aunt she will always meet in a specific location and tell me why every time do a great vegan breakfast there's always something else that she's identified with and she sees that as her space to go to and her inviting me in is like really precious I think it brings me into a new community something I have noticed here compared to other places I've lived however is a lot of places aren't open on a Monday and I do find that very restricting I still want coffee on a Monday is this something you see kind of between you know various locations you've worked in like spaces in Manchester being more readily mm. available as a social point compared to other locations it's definitely a consideration say outside of 
I'll start with outside of Manchester um, and London, mm. Birmingham. Uh, Mondays are not a great day. So during the day, it's a great place to get coffee, but also mm. it's a chance for a lot of people to rest. Um, I often describe a lot of kind of cities and towns as four day weeks. Um, really, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and possibly Sunday as well, where people have their days off or they have their activity, whether it's during the day or outside of work. And you can kind of see that often reflected in opening times. We're a bit different yeah. for seven days a week, but it's part of our commitment to really helping the community at all times, including bank holidays a lot of the time. And with regards to kind of cafe spaces and also groceries, you do see them operate on a Monday to Friday. It's a more balanced kind of work week for most people. And I think that's something people are pushing for a lot more nowadays. But it does also mean that um, you can potentially lose a lot of the customer base, which is now available on a Saturday and a Sunday. But speaking about actual times, um, if you look at the UK, it does have kind of a more traditionally European approach to opening times. You have an expectation that you need to be open um, when you walk to work in the morning and also not necessarily when you finish work, but that is very restrictive in a sense because it means that you are catering to people during their working times. So they might be able to escape. Uh, from their workplace for half an hour to an hour that is what you're trying to capture all before work but when you think of a lot of other countries or you think of a lot of larger cities time is doesn't just restrict itself to sort of that seven to four or eight to four after work people are very active if you look at somewhere like um spain after work that's an opportunity to really go out and go to a cafe meet people after work talk about your day and still drink coffee or still drink something that's decaf or just an alternative um and the cafes in particular have an opportunity to be space for people to interact outside of those hours i realize you do have to staff people in those hours and you do have to make an additional commitment if in particular you're uh, sort of a sole trader working on your own and you've only employed yourself and maybe your partner um, then it's a bit harder but that's where you can better interact with your community as well because you become a space for people in Norwich we have a few spaces like that as well which are open till late um, and you can see them sort of when it hits six seven o'clock and it's packed and people are going up but it's a cafe and it's not about that it's really uh, the space where people can meet you might have groups that are meeting after work or um, during the day to be fair and you're able to access a lot more people by having that flexibility. In Manchester, I remember back in 2017, Idle Hands used to use their kind of their space or they would design their space to, after work, be able to do things like art galleries. And it was much the same here when places like Ancestors where the upstairs, once they sort of shut, if they were there, they'd stay. Otherwise, they hand the artist the keys and they'd operate as a kind of gallery upstairs. And it just provided spaces outside of that um, kind of traditional work time. Um, when I've been to places like Hong Kong, Seoul, London, things are open a, bit, a lot later. And you can see that there is a market for that, particularly even myself, like I work my regular hours, but afterwards, I would rather see people immediately and have a coffee with them and chat to them, go home and have dinner with kind of my partner. But instead, what you tend to find is that you go home, you get settled and you don't want to go back out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, I feel very I, seen I in that, that comment. Answers. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I live in a fairly rural, small town and the cafe opening hours here drive me crazy. They like Most of them open like nine or ten and then they close around three, four. So, yeah, if you don't manage to make it out during your working day, you're not yeah. going to get to a cafe. <laughs> 
And I find it really frustrating. Yeah. I would love someone in town to kind of extend their opening hours to incorporate those people, like you say, after work or when you pick your kid up from nursery to go to a cafe yeah. on the way home, that kind of thing. Yeah, I w- would love to see more of that culture in areas <laughs> outside of big cities in the UK. During the panel, you spoke about um, using like as many local businesses as you could for like the products within your cafe and how like you felt that that was like really important to kind of generate support for your local economy. Is that something that you're still prioritizing at the feed and, and how important is that to you? Yeah. So the, um, the feed is part of proudly Norfolk. So we do focus most of our supply uh, in Norfolk. Um, there's two kind of considerations to I think about is one, where is the food, drinks and products coming from? So um, are they, local and what does that mean to people in norwich and norfolk in particular there is um a real value in supporting uh locally it has always been traditionally people will buy local here but supporting local is a two-way relationship um it goes beyond kind of the wholesaler customer or the supplier and customer uh focus it is about establishing a relationship between two companies because of your even your geographical distance together you're able to work together on more than just like oh i buy your product um you can have talks and events uh coffee supplier green firm coffee uh we had the opportunity to sit down uh, not only to just buy from them but they've come and they've done what we call food for thought events where we bring in a lot of local businesses uh and we show them what coffee are they drinking when they're at their cafe. We give Green Farm the platform to talk about not only their supply, but what they can contribute to the local community as well. And having that kind of relationship locally builds a lot of solidarity. It also provides opportunities. If you're using, for example, with us, local fruit and veg suppliers, and we have a social supermarket, if there is stock which might end up in landfill, it provides an opportunity instead for them to think, oh, wait, we have a social supermarket we can donate to. We have food banks that we can look at. And it increases sustainability across the board, but also the, in a sense, intimacy between all of the different businesses locally. And it builds a real yeah. rapport. Um, and even if we're, if we're not buying something, if the feed are not buying something from Norwich, we're looking, or Norfolk or Suffolk, we're looking instead at do their philosophies align with us as well. Yeah. So, um, for example, we get uh, Nemi Tea, um, who are an incredible social enterprise and charity. Um, and buying from someone who has the same kind of direction or goal as you means you're, you're getting a bit closer to the goal that you're trying to achieve. And so if I was, say, an independent cafe or I was a larger chain, looking at, don't just look at buying the cheapest thing you can find on the market. There is uh, a value and a goodwill that comes above that price. Um, by buying not only kind of something a bit local, you might end up getting them as your, customers as well as your yeah. your supplier but also it gives a chance to essentially co-brand with each other and talk about what's available which is a great platform because you're reaching the same people that you're trying to get so you're reaching that same local community which is probably coming to your cafe but also think about if you have a philosophy behind yourself so if you're thinking part of my money is going to go towards uh saving the planet part of my money is goes towards the local environment or goes towards projects find other companies which also support that project and you can then have more of an impact um it's always been the case i think with uh humans and animals that you have more impact as a group rather than an individual if you're able to essentially double the effort you end up mutually benefiting both of you uh both sides yeah, there's a greater capacity for change when there are more change makers involved in that change. 
said change too many times. Exactly. <laughs> but I suppose also there's a there's a learning opportunity. I mean, we're talking about the social benefits of coffee, and we've largely focused on how like a customer base interacts with you as a business. Mm-hmm. But you as a business, in this sense, have the social benefit if you align with other companies and wholesalers who are working on similar projects to you to learn from one another, and that feeds into yeah. your capacity to to create those changes too, right? You can learn, oh, actually, I never knew that this product could be made out of this material that is biodegradable as a random example that I've generated from nowhere. Uh, I think it goes to show the value in in community, which is the very topic of this, but community at all levels. So not just within your customer base in the local area, but with your business suppliers as well. Um, Bringing it back to kind of coffee, actually, it's a fair point. Within there's this when we talk about the social benefits of coffee one of the main things is that coffee is a wonderful thing to bring people together it's quite it's a very ubiquitous product in a sense that it's available nearly everywhere it is something that the majority of people consume and if they don't consume it they might consume an alternative which can still be found in like a in a cafe or anywhere else so it has the effect where when you look across that supply chain there's so much potential for information sharing and learning from what the farmers are doing that can be translated to uh whether it's your customer or everyone along the supply chain to better understand the product they're getting i think transparency and information has become a more important side of not only business but just general life purchasing patterns everything else and having uh more knowledge and information to share along the supply chain if you're able to feed back how your coffee was but also your product and everything else and how it interacted with the community whether it's serving the purpose you designed it for has a really positive effect along the whole chain but also to the wider community of stakeholders even if i talk about kind of coffee within the feed we use uh currently use roma blend which is a combination of robusta and arabica um traditionally indian robusta and a washed uh, guatemala arabica uh the idea behind that is kind of twofold. On the one hand, you might go, hmm, but there is a purpose for that. The majority of people will drink coffee who drink coffee at home are probably drinking instant coffee and walking into uh, a cafe. If you walk into a cafe, you go, a lot of people just walk in and go, what is a flat white? What is a cortado? What is a macchiato? Because it isn't part of their kind of their language or the language game that they're involved in. And having something which is, has a more familiar taste profile, perhaps more traditional to sort of say you're sitting on a European square or a plaza, has a, a, a stronger relationship with people. They find it less intimidating than when they walk in and go, this tastes like uh, strawberries and uh, what's the other one? Fizzy pears and just lots <laughs> of strange flavor profiles which people <laughs> don't tend to associate with coffee. Well, a lot of us really love specialty coffee and seek those kind of flavors, things that actually in coffee that don't taste like coffee having something more approachable is not necessarily a bad thing. It One grabs a lot of the people who are intimidated by coffee or are out of the specialty coffee bubble or perhaps are in sort of the more commercial side of things and it becomes more attractive to them, more relatable to them. But also for people like myself, having something which is just dialed in well and tastes just sort of like a nice chocolatey um, coffee is uh, a lot more approachable and i'm actually okay with it like you're okay to meet with a meeting it covers a lot more bases and it's less divisive yeah. so even that area there is so much to kind of think about yeah <laughs> <Tangent>. <laughs> so 
As usual, it's a big old topic that we could talk for a long time about, I think. Um, yeah, I think we'll move towards uh, wrapping it up, if that's all good. Uh, unless there was anything else that you really wanted to get off your chest today, David. <laughs> Keep supporting local. It's kind of one of the big things to say. I think I, I recently, we see it a lot here is that a lot of independent cafes are closing down a lot of them are then reopening and closing down and there's a cycle but i'm feeling like on a on a um kind of an empirical or like my own experience is that i'm seeing it a lot more rapidly at the moment Mm. um there are a lot more cafes opening there are a lot more cafes closing and it feels like the cycle is getting a lot quicker um and not only in say like norwich but also when i went to london there's a lot more signs up at the moment for empty spaces and empty lots and you can feel it a lot more than um pre-pandemic there's just been a lot of things happening in the world where costs are rising um supply and access is getting more difficult consumer spending is down uh, and people are more price sensitive and thinking about is it do i really need to order this particular coffee from the other side of the country or from the other side of the world have a, a small consideration that actually you do know the people around you and supporting local is not necessarily um, uh, a bad thing. It's part of you supply them, they supply you and they op- they offer you a space. Um, you'll find I've, you'll find as you walk through your city centre and it takes 20 minutes to get to the nearest cafe that you realise actually things are not great at the moment i really hope yeah. they get better and and i'm also really looking forward to manchester coffee festival and <laughs> birmingham coffee festival <laughs> yeah, us too. <laughs> yeah 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 very much so yeah precisely for a lot of the topics you've covered to be honest the festivals are a great place to demonstrate um not just community mm. but the breadth of it and their potential for it you know we we really consciously try and work with people who supply to or feature in the local area and it's incredible to see mm. how far reaching that is and the variety of businesses and allied industries that that represents and in turn then bringing in the local community to the festivals and seeing those moments where they talk to someone about coffee in a way that they feel comfortable whether it is a blend that tastes like chocolate or if it is those fizzy pear coffees by the way really want to try a fizzy pear coffee like (laughs) we'll be thinking about that for the rest of the week <laughs> but yeah, just thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, bringing it over and talking about it. It's so clear that you have a real passion and understanding for it. And it's lovely to hear you speak on it. If our wonderful listeners wanted to follow up and find out more about you or the feed, where could they find follow up information? Sure. So um, you can kind of see all the list of different things we do on our website, which is um, thefeed.org.uk. Um Otherwise, we're on pretty much all social media platforms, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, um, or uh, Facebook or anything else. Uh, m- myself in particular, I'm just David is Coffee on Instagram. It's the only one I really use, but it's just a chance for me to post pictures of cats and I'll talk bet. about coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But uh, if you do want to, <laughs> if you do come to Norwich, please come uh, look at one of our many cafes uh, and you kind of see a lot of the impact on the community directly just by sitting in one of them. And if you'd like to meet me in person, I will always try and travel to every festival just to have a chance to really talk about these things. Yeah. Round of applause for you. (laughs) You're always very welcome at a Commonwealth Festival. Oh, yes. Yeah, thanks again. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) 
uh, to our listeners, keep listening now for the recording of David's panel from Manchester Coffee Festival last year. And yeah, thanks for joining us once more for another episode of Brewing It Over. We'll be back Hello, soon. Welcome back to our second talk. Well, it is actually a panel. Um, it's going to be the social benefits of coffee. So with us, we've got Annabelle DeGersigny from 100 House Coffee. We also have Salma Shah, researcher and owner of Feel Loved. And we also have David Rickenback from The Feeds. I'll be moderating the panel as a sort of last minute fill-in situation. But we're going to discuss basically social benefits of coffee, coffee spaces and the coffee industry and community. So I'm going to take my seat. Okay, great. Can everyone hear okay? Hello. Fantastic. So I think let's start with just sort of saying who we are, what we do, and then we'll kick things off. So I am um, head barista at Shop Shop, which is in the Northern Quarter. I am also the content coordinator for the festival. So I sort of manage all these bits and the talks and panels. Um, yeah, that's me. Let's move along. I am. A, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, Annabelle DeJesney, and I'm one of the co-founders of 100 House Coffee, and I run uh, well all of the non-profit projects uh, that we support. Yeah, all of the non-profit projects that we support um, through the roastery. Next up. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm Salma. Um, I'm a researcher for a think tank, and I also own a little granola and porridge company called Feel Loved, um, based in Northampton. Hiya. So I'm David Rickenback. I'm from The Feed, which is based in Norwich. Um, we're a charity and a social enterprise. We have about six cafes. One is a community cafe and one is a social supermarket. I'm the barista trainer, but I'm also one of the cafe managers there. And I help a lot of people who have been out of employment for an extended period get back into work and get into barista work and catering. Great. So this talk is all about community. I think the best thing to start with is what to you guys, what is community? And I think that it's different for everyone. I'd, I'd be interested to see what you think. So I think we've we've had some really interesting chats, actually, about community and the community space. So I think it's really relevant to think about uh, where we congregate, especially like post-COVID. And community has been something that's been quite kind of fractured and I suppose, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Remote. From 100 House Coffee's perspective, our roastery is based in the middle of the hills. Uh, we're a very rural community. There's a lot of um, makers and producers kind of in little outposts. Community for us is bringing them all into a central space and spending that time together and having those moments of connection. So it's kind of vital to our sanity. <laughs> um, we've created a space and we'll be moving to a new space where we really kind of harness that, that, that time together and bringing people to the space. We've sort of looked for things that we are missing within our immediate community, within our day-to-day, -day, the people that we encounter and we're bringing it to life for the local area. Yeah, I think maybe I'll pass that next to um, Salma in terms of what community means for you. Similar to you, Annabelle, actually. So it was post sort of coming to the end of the, I think it was the third lockdown after, you know, during COVID and Lots of people had been through quite a lot at that time. Myself, I'd been through some, a couple of bereavements and I just really felt um, detached from other people. I 
felt alone. So um, using the profits from my granola business, I set up a women's wellness walk with a local cafe. And the reason why I chose a cafe was something that David knows more about, which he'll talk about. Cafes just feel like that sort of in-between safe space, um, in between like a home and a restaurant where you can form links with each other. So community for me, with that women's wellness walk, we created sort of like a safe place where we could just come together, share, um, support each other, be ourselves. So I'd say probably that's what are some key elements of a community. So in terms of community, what I tend to find is there's a macro and a micro. There's lots of individual communities. So you have on the smaller level, you have people who are more invested in like hobbies and also on a common purpose. So we consider ourselves a lot of the people here part of the coffee community. When we look at our cafes, we look at we build around two elements. One is how can we best support community around us, which is in our vicinity. So one of the things that was really important is looking around and seeing what's needed in that community and seeing, oh, if this place is quite uh, impoverished, deprived, how can we better support it? How can we price to make them feel like we are part of the community and how can we better lift up those people around us? In terms of the communities, the people who are invested either in that area or actually in a hobby or something that unites those people around it. So, for example, on the sort of the micro level, we have a women's group and we fund this and we try and have um, a 12-week course where they learn different experiences, whether it's um, dance therapy, whether it's barista training. And although it's only a small group of sort of 12 to 15 people, what we're trying to build is a sense of community amongst that smaller element of people and then themselves will then meet up afterwards and generate a real connection to each other. I think a lot of us, especially during COVID and post-COVID, feel quite alone, even when you're amongst people. And now more than ever, finding a thing that really you're passionate about and something that unites each other is really important. And actually, cafes can act as a real facilitator for that. The first sort of proper question how can the communal aspect of coffee shops and the coffee industry benefit us and benefit the other people of the industry? Maybe go to David first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's kind of two sides to it. So on the one hand, if you're a member of the public or there's something you're interested about, there's how can you approach a cafe to actually utilize their space or build a community around it? I think that's something I'll pass on to the others in a bit. For example, even cycle, cycling clubs that meet on a Sunday, certain cafes become part of their identity beyond just a stop. They go up. For example, in Norwich, Artel has its own cycling team. They have their own printed vests. The owners don't cycle, but they've helped really build that community and for those people involved in that they identify a lot with the cafe and from kind of our side from the sort of cafe side we can help people just by utilizing the space around us so for example a lot of independent cafes will take the walls that they have and keep it clear and allow local artists to then use that space to sell so the cafe doesn't benefit financially from it but they do allow people to be lifted up by it and support their local area but for our cafes what we do is we have a community space above um, one of our largest ones at Waterloo Park that room is not a commercial room it's entirely for community activities whether it's like a local dance group whether it's alcoholics and it's an opportunity for people to rent out that space at a 
extremely low price and it's up to them whether they want to buy food or drink but what we provide is a space for people to meet and a common meeting ground which feels comfortable which isn't at your house it isn't at someone else's house it isn't at your workplace it's that third space in between the two and it can be used for so many different purposes i think that that's really quite an interesting point of a space where there's learning. So when you talk about that kind of um, how the two worlds feed each other and how they can kind of co-support each other, I think the cafe can become a space where, yes, you need people in there, but in order to activate it in that way, a space of learning is quite a, a quite an interesting way to do it. Also, I, I'm kind of a firm believer that businesses can support in some non-profit way, no matter what they're doing. We we do a lot of um, like the educational side really brings people together. It's a neutral space where um, learning, making something very tactile and tangible can happen. So it brings them to us, but people to us and we learn from them, but also creating a space for learning is, has been quite a, a really interesting experimental growth area for us I think yeah so for one of as part of my job as research one of the projects that I did recently was interviewing people from really like hard to reach communities and it was really a good place to carry out these interviews was cafes local cafes we just felt like the space was like a neutral place. It was safer. It was chilled. It was relaxed. We were able to have open conversations. So as a user of cafes, I'm sure you kind of all have your favorite cafe. And there's probably things about that cafe that make you feel like it's a bit homely or there's something about that cafe that just that you just like, you know. So that's what I found as a user of a cafe, like, for carrying out interviews with people that you don't know it was just it's just accessible um obviously i can't think of the design reasons why but you know just knowing that you can grab a warm drink and just have a chat with someone and it's pretty neutral space safe um was quite an important quite an important reason why i use cafes i even use them to like work you know when i'm working from home i'll go and pitch up in a cafe so yeah i think that sort of yeah, I definitely agree in terms of accessibility, even like purely access to drinking coffee. So it's like what I find as a barista and I'm serving customers is that people will come in who may have not had access to speciality coffee or say, for example, like fermented anaerobic, you know, all these like crazy flavors. And what's nice is being able to drink them as a group. You're in a safe space and you can say like, how how that experience is for you and there's there's no like you're not you're never going to be wrong and I think that's what's really nice about the the community of regulars in a coffee shop is that we are all friends and that we can just drink coffee together but it is like it is amazing amazing community okay moving on so do you think so since pandemic do you think that the coffee shop spaces have changed like the importance of them do you think that they are more important now than ever. Have you seen a change since that? Um, I think um, the coffee shops were kind of a lifeline for a lot of people. I mean, myself, I was a new mother and didn't have any NCT groups, didn't have any uh, living rurally, no connection to other um, parents. So I, I, I was introduced to one other person who'd had a child and the only place that we could go to was uh, the, uh, like the cafe had opened a hatch. We could get a coffee and go for a walk. You were allowed to walk with one other person. So I think the spaces themselves maybe um, haven't changed, but the 
the import, like the highlighting the importance of their role and the kind of barista's role. You know, so for some people, I think it would be the only person they maybe spoke to in a day was a barista serving takeaway coffee. So yeah, I think it's highlighted a role within the community in a much more um, fundamental and broad way um, for people. That yeah, that that was sort of my perspective. But I also have seen a lot of coffee shops open since COVID. Um, you know, people kind of venturing into that as a as a new venture for them and a total kind of deviation from what they were doing before. It seems like since COVID as well, there's been a massive increase in like co-working spaces, which yeah. with, with coffee shops inside, which is again, like another form of community. It's a way that people can, where they would be working alone, they're, they're working with people. And again, they can have the the experience they have in a coffee shop of sitting together, drinking a coffee or the experience that they'd have at work, which is no longer the case because a lot of people now can work. work from home. Like that's made much more accessible. But they, that in itself is community. They still need that moment with other people at some point in the week. I found that. Um, so with the women's wellness project that I set up with a cafe, that was definitely post COVID. So I can't compare like whether these projects were just. I've noticed now. That when you look at other cafes, lots of other cafes offer lots of community outreach or art projects or there's some social impact project going on with quite a lot of cafes. Now, I can't, as a user of a cafe, I can't compare whether that existed as much pre-pandemic. But it's definitely since COVID that I have started to notice all of these community impact projects coming um you know starting up so I guess David you were working in cafes pre so have you noticed the change of the sort of projects that you guys do yeah so there's um to be honest there's been a massive relationship change between the customers baristas and the businesses and I felt it more than anything so I was at in a high-end speciality coffee shop at this during the first pandemic we shut down. We eventually opened our, one of our cafes open again. And that was based in a small community. And it was the craziest we'd ever seen it. People would wait for an hour, two hours for a coffee. And it was their only interaction of the day. So we chose the barista who people missed the most, to be honest, and who had a deep relationship with a lot of those community. And they became a rock for that community. It was their daily activity. It was the only time they're going outside. And it was important not only to us, but also to the communities around them. And then what happened was during the second lockdown, I actually switched jobs. So I moved it to the feed at that point. And it was a very different thing. So our cafes didn't reopen. But what we did is we had fridges and we had connections. So we turned it into a community fridge just beforehand. And then we used that space to then actually ha uh, act as a food bank, essentially, for the local community. And to be honest, through that time, it's built a lot of goodwill between us and the surrounding area. Because I think a lot of businesses who had all of this stock, a lot of businesses who had all, who had all of this manpower, but nothing really to do with it, and who were sitting at home worried suddenly had a place where they could come and help and actually feel like they're contributing to solving a lot of the issues of pandemic. And a lot of people lost their jobs during that time. Um, a lot of baristas changed careers. They moved into other paths. And actually, a lot of people who were working in things like marketing and other areas, service industry, wholesale, all of them lost their jobs. And at that point, it was a really risky time because you couldn't earn unless you were working at home. You're searching for any job. 
the industry has just totally changed. People were desperate for food. And now you see it that more cafes have opened after the pandemic, particularly in places like London, because people have decided to explore their kind of passions and their dream. And you're seeing this like value that's come from the pandemic and the relationship that's been built with cafes. And really you're seeing now that people have a more personal feeling and a more like strong feeling towards their cafe as not just a space I get my cafe in. But actually, I built a relationship with these cafes. I know these baristas. I know this coffee. This has acted as a rock for me during the pandemic. And it's the same from the other perspective as well, from our one. I think it's quite interesting to think about these new spaces that are opening as well, because people spend so much time at home. And there was that kind of culture of going back to baking, making foods, looking more, you know, slowing, slowing your food consumption and drink consumption down and um, bringing it back into the home. And a lot of these spaces are really representative of the individuals who've set them up. So all of that detail in the space, it's kind of, you know, when we talked about connecting with the space and why we connect with certain spaces above others, that's like looking forward beyond COVID, beyond the pandemic and to the future. It's really exciting to see all these sort of very idiosyncratic spaces opening. And I think Shop Shop is has always been like that. Um, so it's sort of like a beacon of that kind of um, aesthetic where you really walk into something unique. But it's 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 nice to see that kind of propagate a bit and grow and, you know, what food is there? What kind of, how is it made? What little details have been added to it? Which coffee roaster are they working with and why? And what coffees are they bringing in? And yeah, it's sort of, um, it has all these different languages and subtleties to it, which I find really exciting. <laughs> And a very like creative space to work from, sort of like a studio space in a way. Have you, as a someone from a roastery, have you noticed a change since the pandemic of people more local to you, more people buying your products? Or is it stay pretty much the same, do you think? Yeah, I mean, we were um, kind of blown away by uh, people's concern for us at the beginning of the pandemic because our wholesale orders went from... You know, we were kind of thriving and growing. We've always grown organically and um, let things kind of happen at their own pace. But from our wholesale orders going from a quantity we were really happy with to zero, nothing. And our web sales, which I think was the same for a lot of roasters, were something that ticked over and was there, but it wasn't sort of a uh, what we built our business model on. So we had to shift gears really fast, switch up our packaging, start to offer free shipping, find things that fit through letterboxes. And we found a lot of people um, locally were really supportive of that and um, wanted, you know, wanted us to survive through through the pandemic, um, which was really reassuring. And also to know that um, that we can scale down we can scale the business up, but we can also scale it down. And actually scaling it down teaches you a whole new set of things about how you want to live and um, what you want to feed back to the community and what you want the business to do. Um, I call it a business, but we really see it as a project. And I think the the pandemic consolidated that. It's a project. It's always changing. And, you know, it can be what, what you need it to be. And I think approaching anything in life like that is quite quite a learn, an interesting lesson to learn. Yeah. What about you guys? Do you feel more of a, a sense of the local supports now? 
Yeah, well, I started a, my vegan granola business and I sell porridges as well. And they've won an award recently as well. And they're delicious. I started during the pandemic and I actually stock at um, local cafes. So initially it was, again, local people just buying my product, just supporting me during the pandemic. So I guess that was a community, even though we weren't physically together. I did feel like the support of local people. And then when things started opening up, like... A few local cafes stock it now and it's on their menu and you can buy a bag from a cafe. So there's definitely the support there from cafe owners, um, local community, definitely feel more supportive. I guess when you think about it and step back, it's quite a nice, warm feeling, isn't it? Just to know that people around you do try and, and like, so yeah, it's really nice. Have you felt the same? I definitely feel... We've focused more on kind of the local element as well. Um, we've made it more of our mission to kind of support local businesses and local suppliers. So rather than just ordering everything from one wholesaler, actually connecting with the local businesses, it has a really lovely like roundabout effect. They support you, you support them. And you see the general economy grow from that. I know that when we're buying something as simple as like syrups and hot chocolates, if I'm buying it from a local company, then I know that we're putting people into work. And it means it means a lot. It means I don't it it, it goes beyond just the general value of, oh, I, I really like this particular flavor. It's like I like this, but I'm also supporting the people around us who actually support us as well and really building off that. I think nowadays we're starting to see. Like, like I was saying about the end of the pandemic, you're now seeing the relationship between local, particularly roasters, build with businesses around now. And really, actually, local is an important part of that. And I think at, um, a lot of the time, local communities are building more of an identity, particularly now as things get more fractious and a bit more crazy, you identify with the people around you. I've no we, we've noticed a growth. So in the last 18 months, we've gone from one shop to six. And in those six, each of them were located within specific communities to try and support them better and build relationships from them and buy from them. And we see it uh, like the positive relationship building constantly. Like we had a donation from a big chicken, chicken producer, basically, um, all completely frozen. We didn't have space for it. So we just contacted a local creamery next door. They took all of it, no questions asked, and they held it, and then they gave it back to us as soon as we had space for it. And it's just actually building really upon that. Um, and to be honest, if I can give one thing over, it's actually, if there's something you're passionate about, particularly like a community, contacting your local like cafes and saying, hey, can I use your space? That really is important to them as well. And it supports them. It means that you'll be buying some coffees there or some beers if that's what you're after. And you're building that space. But also for them, they can see that they're interacting better and actually they're feeling more local and benefits from that. We're surprised at how um, timid people are to ask or how surprised they are as well that the support is there. You know, when we get asked to support a char local charity or um, host an event, the answer is always yes. So, um, and then, but the look of surprise is like, you know, or even if I suggest it, that we'll, you know, we'll donate this and we'll do that. And they're just like, you, you do that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, it's kind of, we need the community. So why, why wouldn't we do that? You know? Yeah. Cause we've got, we've got a spare room. And one of the big things with that is actually we were approached by a craft market who said, Hey, we want to support local, um, craft makers. And we're just like, yeah, use the space. We won't charge you for it. It's yours. Like you can actually 
and, and what we see is people come for that and they appreciate that and they contribute more and it's we're clo- uh, the upstairs is available every on the, that one Sunday every month and like I think people are surprised with how much space and how much willingness there is to give over but if you're passionate about it why not build a relationship with those cafes if there is something like whether it's a women's group whether it's cycling whether it's art whether it's music I've seen I've gone to like open mic nights at cafes it's an interesting one great um I think really what I want to know is where do you see the f- the future of coffee spaces, communities? What what direction do you think that's going to that's going in? Um, it's a big one. Isn't Anyone it? can pitch in for. Uh, it's a big one. I hope that cafe spaces continue to be to exist and continue to offer like a warm drink and somewhere in between home and like a fl- a restaurant. So. I do I do see a space for them long term. I feel like after the pandemic, you know, positive things have come out of it, being more connected to local people, using local spaces. So I'd like to see that continue. I think um, you'll always see the ups and downs of cafes, particularly some will open, some will close. But one of the kind of the joining things I see and um, one of the clear things is that there's a, been a growth in the amount who have a philosophy or a purpose. If somebody believes in a certain element, uh, for example, whether it's art, whether it's supporting local communities, whether it's focusing on improving homelessness or allowing trainees on their site, people identify with that. Because if you're pricing something at the same level as um, as another cafe, but that you're putting into uh, that philosophy or you're supporting a certain thing that you're passionate about, like whether it's a women's project or anything else, you know that that money is benefiting that community. I think that little bit of an extra is really incentivizes people. And it could be anything from sustainability to um, more of that focus on particular projects. And just you see it a lot more nowadays. People are promoting things beyond the coffee. They're actually focusing on, hey, actually, we are, you know, B Corp certified. We do this and this is the projects we run. And that's what people want to see. I think now more than ever, especially post-pandemic, you are seeing people going, actually, I have to be really careful with my money and I want to know where I put this. I'm not going to go buy this from Starbucks. I'm actually going to go to my local cafe. Yeah, I mean, I think as a roastery, we, um, like I said, slightly different to the cafe space. That's definitely true in terms of people coming to our we're going to be having a much more kind of front-facing space soon but people have been able to come and see the kind of industry happening in front of them but also purchase coffee from there and under feel a bit closer to that um, machine where we are rurally you know it's like it's a massive farming industry and um, it's quite interesting to see like local farmers look at the coffee and they kind of like are really intrigued by the processes that the coffees have gone for up to, from how the farmers work in those origins and kind of being connected to where our food and drink comes from. And also from a kind of employment perspective, there isn't a, there aren't a lot of options for young people in our area. So I feel like the roastery space is a really interesting one model for there's so many different roles that can be attached to it. So as people aspiring and looking towards their future, that that can be something exciting that it's a, a light industrial but it's also uh, you know it connects so many with so many other uh, roles and can do so many other things yeah. um which is why with our art and industry program we've kind of put those two words together because it's amazing we do inner city school projects at GCSE level and it's amazing like to open people you know young people's minds to 
career options that are perhaps industrial and manufacturing, but also um, really creative. Because in their minds, it's like, I need to do graphic design to have a creative future, but that's just not true. And I think the cafe space proposes that as well in terms of future generations. So a really like fertile territory for um for their futures and it can be down to whether they want to do something making granolas or whether they want to be making the coffee or do they want to roast it are they into the packaging or so it it has so many different um routes <laughs> routes to the future great if anyone does want to speak to these guys you can hang around and chat if not annabelle can be found on the hundred house stand as well and these guys will hang around for just a couple more minutes if anyone does have any questions or conversations they'd like to be had, 